Hey everybody, welcome back and thank you. I think today's episode is going to put a smile on your face and it's going to make you want to run out the door and charge through a wall and conquer the world because that's what Austin Byler does when he speaks to people. He motivates them, he inspires them and I'm happy to have had an hour to spend with him talking about life. Um, he's really just a, a just an awesome, awesome human being to spend time with, be around, um, just draw energy from. He's really, really a remarkable person, and um, and, I, and I'm not going to say anymore because he uh, he's, he does it well enough on his own. So we get in and we talk about some stuff that matters in this podcast, and we talk about his life and what he's doing with Major League University and how he's uh, coaching up kids and uh, adolescents and college age students in their sports, and um, and that's all well and good. But really, the the takeaway I think is that. Uh, positivity matters and negativity needs to just get checked at the door. So I hope you enjoy it. Austin's Austin's a good dude. Podcast, as always, is sponsored by Zephyr Wellness and Audible. I'm super proud to have Audible on board as a sponsor. You can get a free trial for 30 days if you go to audibletrial.com slash notes and check out what they have to offer, which is really incredible. It's, it's overwhelming. Uh, you'll never consume all the content they have. But uh, you do get a free uh, download if you sign up for a free trial go to noggin uh, sorry audibletrial.com slash noggin notes get your free 30-day trial keep whatever it is that you downloaded whether it's a book or a, a news uh, commentary or uh, some sort of entertainment otherwise you keep that even if you don't maintain your membership so audibletrial.com slash noggin notes and then of course you know my company zephyrwellness.org you can go there and check out even more content that we put out in the in the interwebs for free so that you can go help improve your life if you so choose. And if you want clinical services, we got those too. We take insurance, we take cash, and uh, we also do it online because that's what you do in a pandemic when everybody's working from home. You go get really, really good at doing online therapy, and it turns out we have a lot of studies and research that show that it's, in some cases, even better than in-person therapy. So if you like the Zoom thing and you want some counseling help, check out ZephyrWellness.org and uh, maybe we'll we'll be able to set you up with an appointment. Until then, enjoy this podcast and my interview with Austin Byler. Have a good one, everybody. Hello, everybody. Thanks for uh, checking us out again. We appreciate listening audiences. And uh, this week we have Austin Byler. You guys might remember him from, geez, probably a year and a half ago now. When the last time we talked, uh, at least on the podcast. Hey, Austin. Jake, how are we doing, man? I'm fired up. It has been at least a year, maybe a little longer. I got to do the do the math, but it was. I want to say it was like January of eight, of nineteen, and now we're recording this in June of twenty. Um, it was somewhere thereabouts, I want to say, because I was I was definitely in Lovelock when I was talking to you, and it's yeah. been a minute since I've been out there, but. Um, Man, it's good to see your smiling face, bro. I miss Dude, you. Good to see you too, man. I'm pumped up. This is awesome. I miss your energy. Thankfully, you're 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 ever present online. You're always posting videos on Instagram, and um, and we'll definitely tell people how to how to connect with you after this. But for those of you who may not be familiar or who haven't listened to the podcast, um, go back and listen to the podcast with me and Austin Byler. That's it. No, no more information. No, just kidding. Um, <laughs> no, uh, Austin and I. Uh, first talked uh, about his uh, 
his journey through like addiction and then recovery and how he's, he's teaching children, you know, adolescents and youth, the, the mental aspect of baseball. And we talked about CBD oil and we talked about spirituality and it was a really broad ranging podcast, but it was very, very inspiring and very uplifting. And I expect no different this time around because you're an inspiring, uplifting individual. So no pressure, just make sure you uh, leave the audience better off than you um, found them. But uh, give a, give a little bit of an update on what your life is like. I know you've been through some some pretty dramatic changes lately, and um, you know, yeah, share whatever you feel like sharing right now, and then we'll we'll kick off with some some Q and A and conversation. Sweet man, yeah, I feel like this is hopefully a better version of Anchorman too, where I'm I'm following <laughs> up the first one, man, where, where we're good. But uh, basically, yeah, man. So one of the, the first podcast was a lot of fun and just being on here, man, getting to see you after that. I believe we went up to Reno, got to do something that summer and yep. spend some time there. But um, everything's been crazy. I remember uh, see in February, I, I left the day job that I was working, which was probably the best day job opportunity you could ever have if you had a regular job and you wanted to just stay comfortable and I stick with what you want to do. But like we, we've talked about a lot, I have a burning passion for helping athletes through the mental side of sports and really helping them develop into leaders in society more than just what the game presents you, but using those tools and other tools for life to be successful in life and helping other people. So, and in February, right before the whole pandemic hit, I decided to take that leap of faith and then, in that next month, I was rewarded very, very well. It was weird how like once it once I stopped and like cut one thing out of my life, like God began to bring other things and opportunities into my life, or maybe I just shifted my perspective to see him mm. or he for me. But um, then the pandemic hit and then it was like, okay, all these events that you worked to set up all summer are now shut down and not right. good. So there's been a lot of halftime adjusting, man. It's been really good. It's been a great learning opportunity. And then uh, man, it's, it's been a big time blessing. But I remember talking to you before I made the decision, I think twice and long car, car rides. I remember one of them, I was sitting in traffic on the, on the Golden Gate Bridge. And I I'm remember like, you saying that. <laughs> dude, it was the longest 50 minute travel I've ever sat in, but it was the greatest call because it helped clarify things for me. And I think just when you're making big decisions, it's important to ask people that you trust in those situations who have made those decisions as well. And you share some great information with me and, and knowledge and wisdom and, it helped lead to that decision, man. So thank you without oh, even thanks. knowing that I'm thanking you. <laughs> I, pr- I appreciate you saying that. That means a lot. Um, you know, and it, it, we might want to pause there because I think that <clears throat> I have, I, I have a, a lot of those types of conversations with people and I, I think I take them for granted. Um, I, I just think I take them for granted and, and I don't, I, I don't want to anymore. And I think, I think it was worth pausing here to revisit that maybe because now it's coming back to me and, and I did share a per, you know, a couple of personal experiences uh, that you know, seemed to help you out quite a bit in making your decision. And I think it would benefit our listeners to hear what the logic was and the and the thought processes behind it. So, if you don't mind, like, tell everybody what the what the situation was, what the predicament was, and how you're you're facing that tough decision, and then maybe recap a little bit of our conversation for everybody. So if, if there's somebody listening right now and they're in a stuck position, um, they can maybe get a little bit of an insight or at least validation that, that they're not alone in what they're, they're stuck with. And that there are at least two guys, you and me right now who, you know, faced similar tough decisions, made a decision and then um, things open up for them. So, um, you know, start wherever you want your, your story, you know? Yeah, no, it was so for, 
since April of last year, so about a year ago, I was working at a company called E-Team Sponsor. So I was an account manager, had a great opportunity there to help. We were helping uh, athletic programs fundraise money. So it was a great opportunity, great leadership. It was an awesome environment for sure, especially for the first real job other than an Orange Theory Fitness coach. <laughs> and that, uh, So I don't really consider that a real job, but it was fun and it was awesome. But this was a different type of deal. It was like, okay, I'm sitting at a desk. I had to make calls. I had certain numbers and quotas I had to hit. And it was just different. And for me, I had the burning desire, like I mentioned earlier, to help athletes and to help people live their best life. And I had my company, Major League University, which started about a year before this, in the works, trying to grow. But it's like really tough to grow it when you're working a full-time job. And then you're in the Bay Area at the time where the traffic is outrageous. So you got two hours of commute you got to factor in. And then life in general. So it was a tough balance act for about seven or eight months. And then ever since about October, November, I really had like a hardcore passion to leave. But I didn't know what I was going to do. And I didn't trust it at all. So about four months in a row, I went back and forth in my mind of, do I leave this job? Do I stay here? Do I leave it? Do I stay here? The people are amazing. The, the pay is great to have coming in every month. Or do I leave, take a leap of faith and have limited pay right now, but hope that when I leave, I get more pay because I can put more effort into this. And I was just, I was rattled to be honest. Like I was just going back and forth swimming in my own dome. And and that's where having a conversation with you and, and I'll kind of revert back to the most recent one that, that you experienced with running for politics, running for office and, and getting into that realm and fundraising money and doing all these crazy things, but then realizing how unhappy you were in that. Yes, it may have looked great. Yes, it may have felt great at some points and maybe been a desire for you, but it wasn't what your calling was and what you really enjoyed. And you mentioned once you left and you got out of that, that environment, you were so much happier. Your wife said it, your family noticed it, your friends noticed it. A lot of people notice how much more happier and at peace you were. And I even I even heard on the phone from a conversation a couple of months before when you were in that that situation too, when you were counseling me and and what I was kind of going through and personally. So that really stuck out to me. It was like, hey, if, if if the feeling is that strong in your heart, go with your intuition. Like trust your intuition, trust your feelings. Yes, you got to make an educated decision sometimes. And it's not easy at all, the hardest thing in the world, especially when you can't foresee a pandemic hitting the month after. Yeah. But it's like, if you really want to push for that dream or that next opportunity, you think there's more out there for you, make sure that you don't let that opportunity pass. And for me being young, I was like, I, I got to go. I can't keep sitting here. I love the people there. It's, I hate telling people, no, I hate breaking up with anyone, but it, it had to happen. It really did. And it's been the greatest thing in my life ever since. That's, that's awesome. It, it, I think there's a lot of people who, um, you know, we call it, we call it an ego state in, you know, psychological terms where you just stay in what's comfortable and familiar. And, and it's not always necessarily comfortable in terms of like, actual comfort feels good, want to stay there. It's just, it's just what you know, really well. And it's why we stay in jobs longer than we probably want to or even should. It's why we stay in relationships longer than we want to or should. Um, it's why we stay in habits, you know, longer than we would like to or should. And it's all because it's the, the, right, the way I explain it is that the, the power of the fear of the unknown is much stronger than the misery of the present. And, and I'm not even saying that what you were doing was miserable. It was just like, it was, it was difficult, right? You're like, I have this great thing. It's right in front of me. And yet something's missing. So for some people, it really is miserable. You know, they're, they're drinking too much or they're, they're violent or they, they got all this anger and um, they're losing friends over it. Um, and yet that misery 
is so much easier to stick in because it's what they know. Um, it's very, very, very challenging to let go of what you know for something that you don't know because the, the mystery of the unfamiliar is very, very strong, uh, strong enough to keep us where we are. So um, and to be quite honest, I, for, I forgot that it was, it was around that time that I stopped the, the campaign. For, for the, the listening audience, I haven't talked about this in the podcast. I did have a, a four-month or so long uh, stint where I was going to run for state assembly here in Nevada. And, and it was really, like, overwhelmingly, the experience was quite positive, but the timing could not have been worse. And, um, and that's what Austin is, is referencing, is that when I decided to stop, it was very disappointing to a lot of people. And yet simultaneously, those same people were like, I totally get it. So I had validation going out the door. And um, that was a major decision. What I thought you were going to reference was the decision to, to start Zephyr, because that's really analogous to what you're doing as you started your own company. I mean, you had it going, but you really just like plunged in both feet. Um, and it's really hard to straddle two endeavors, both of which require your full-time commitment. You know, one is the job and then the other is the other job. And um, so I'm really proud of you for for making that decision. Um, I tried as hard as I could not to push you one way or another. Um, and you just let your own inner spirit guide you. And, and it's totally worked out. It's absolutely worked out. And I think that what's not to be understated is not just the compensation and all that stuff because like there's there's definitely ways we can if it were about compensation we could all go into you know pharmaceutical sales and make a grip of cash right um but it's not about that it's about the liberty and the autonomy of making one's own life and there is no compensation that can ever uh stack up to that type of freedom so I know that you're feeling that now. Um, you don't have to answer to anybody but yourself and your couple of partners, but you guys are all on the same page and um, and you're doing what you want, which is great. And I want you to talk a little bit about that. You, so the pandemic hits and describe describe MLU for us. Major League University is, is what you do. You've got a couple of other things going on. We'll get to them in a minute. But as I understand it with my feeble brain and the way that I can explain it, like Denzel Washington once said, you know, tell, tell to me, like I'm explain it to me, like I'm six. Um, you take youth baseball athletes and you teach them uh, the mental side of sports. You're also teaching them the physical side. You teach them how to put their, you know, their hands in front of their hat when they're feeling a ground ball and, you know, arm position and bat position and all that stuff. But really you're, you're focused on uh, mental preparation what else do you do and and how is this structured and how would a pandemic necessarily affect that? Yeah, that's a great question, man. So for what, what we do, you're spot on with that as far as training the youth. We also work with the uh, high school college realms as well. Mm. So we, we, we get work into those programs. So uh, as far as what we do, there's the camps and clinic model where we'll go out there and use the physical side of the game to get to the mental side of the game and just like, like it's not just, hey, here's how to think the game. No, that's not what I mean when we say mental side of the game. It's more of here's how to own your morning. Here's some tools that you can use and not just one and do it, but here's like 10 or 15 that you can choose from. And maybe one of them works for you, trial and error. Like it's going to be different for you than it is for me. So let's just try some different things that we can have. Developing failure plans for athletes Ooh. where, hey, when things hit the fan, when it doesn't go well for me, when I'm 0 for 12 and I'm struggling and swimming in my dome, what can I revert to to get me back to home base rather than I just keep spinning out of control. And I noticed this by playing and going through this experience a lot. It's like being my own worst enemy for so many years. 
in realizing that if we just step outside the box, look at a 3D view of our life and of who we are and what we're going through, we can get through so much more. So part of it's the camps and clinics, great way to get into that mental side, the physical side stuff. I do some lessons and stuff like that on the side because I enjoy it. I love baseball, but the mental side of everything is my passion. So we'll do inspirational workshops with teams. We'll do leadership workshops as well, where we go in for two or three days and we break them through with some team culture building with, with some mental skill tools, such as visualization, gratitude, um, how to handle your emotions on and off the field and how they can affect you from off the field to on the field. Um, a lot of it's that off the field performance affecting the on the field performance. So just giving these athletes tools, working with teams, bringing them together like a family uh, is really what we're all about and what we're doing. And um, we're, we've been grateful to really get on the same page, especially once I left that job. That was an awesome deal. But leaving it gave me more time to understand some of the areas where I was really lacking in leadership. Like, mm. Big time. I was trying to control things, trying to like, it's all my way, it's this or that. But no, 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 no. It's, it's been all about the team. And it's like once you really can get come to terms with that, good things are going to keep happening. And what, that's what we've seen as, as that. And one of the things that we did was the terminology. A lot of it was like, hey, I'll go work with you. I do this. I do that. Now it's, it's we. Like wow. For this podcast, it's we. Yes, it may be me on here, but I'm representing the whole team. And that's something that just by reading a few different books, Leaders Eat Last was a big one by Simon Sinek that really helped. Um, just a couple other ones that I can't remember. I think of 21 Laws of Leadership by John Maxwell. Just interesting mm -hmm. books that sort of shift that perspective and be like, wow, I need this. Like, There's a reason I'm reading this book right now because I need this freaking book. I better practice some of these tools. So I'm um, just using all that stuff is kind of a little bit about what we do and the pandemic, how that would affect it. Well, all these events are just canceled. It was crazy, man. So like working through the job and, and setting these up and I'm like, man, the summer is going to be freaking off the chains. Like we're getting good momentum through the spring, but once the summer hits and we're in person crushing it, like this is going to blow up. And then it did blow up. And it blew up the wrong way. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, yeah. this one canceled, this one canceled, this one canceled, this one. And then the last one's like hanging on an edge. I'm like, man, I control this one because I get the field. Um, this, is, this is still going. And then it's like, city of blah, 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 shuts down their fields for 10 months or blah, whatever it is. And then you're like, oh, my goodness, man. It just keeps coming. But we're going to start getting back in person towards the end of July, early August. And uh, we'll just push you back to the fall, man. You got to handle some adversity. You mentioned something about a failure plan, and I had not heard that before. I think I understand the concept, but explain that if you would. And then uh, it sounds like you probably needed to implement a failure plan of your own in this uh, particular climate. Yeah, the failure plan for me is uh, black coffee and meditation. <laughs> no, Meditation has been huge for me just to use that. I'm going to get into that later, but um, failure plans for athletes, especially it's, it's very interesting, especially in baseball, where you really, it, there's a lot of inconsistency with the results, but there can be a lot of consistency with our routines and our habits and how we approach the game and what we think about and some other things like that. So we always talk about preparing for the game, but we never prepare for what happens when the game doesn't go our way. So if you think about it, like a simple routine before a game would be, I stretch, get my body loose, right? Get my body exercise, I throw, get my arm loose. Then I do a little visualization for three minutes. Then I walk into the field, go through the national anthem, take my position. It's game time. Um, strong mind plus strong body equals ultimate confidence. If we can prepare this in this, we'll be prepared as much as we can. Sometimes it's going to vary. Um, climates, all that stuff. But the failure plan is 
I'm over three in this game, and it's the bottom of the seventh inning, or say let's go bottom of the ninth, like professional baseball college, bottom of the ninth inning. There's a runner on second base with two outs, and I now have an opportunity to win the game. Like, what was my plan when I failed earlier in the game to allow me to remain confident, remain present in this moment, even though the past results haven't been my favorite? Could have been three Ks. It could have been three line drives. Whatever it was, having a plan for failure. So when you get out or you give up a couple runs or make an error, it's important to have something to kind of bring us back to home base. And it's different for everyone. So a few different ones would be this first and simplest one, the breath. But it doesn't work for everybody. Some people like just can't take a breath. So you gotta mm. kind of adapt there. But for some people, it's just a breath. <sighs> Breathe in through the nose, out through the mouth, find a focal point. So I don't think the audience can see, but I'm looking at my water bottle yeah. or water cup, which probably is the worst thing for a focal point. But if you think <laughs> I guess it's uh, clear. <laughs> you know, on the bottom, like you just picture like a, a sign on the bat. Like if this was a mm-hmm. bat and there was a D for D Marini on the bat, I'm going to look at my D Marini sign when I miss my pitch, which is right down the middle. I fouled it off. Dang it, I'm pissed. I look at that, that focal point. Deep breath, back in the box. You watch Mike Trout, the best athletes in the world, they do this every single time without hesitation. So there's a reason behind it. And so that's one way for a hitter, for a pitcher, find something on the glove, a focal point. Look at the foul pole. The foul poles never move or change. We can always look at a foul pole or third base or mm-hmm. first base. Mm-hmm. So just finding something that can divert our attention from that that current moment of, of that failure, I guess that past moment, I guess, of, of that failure or whatever happened that you didn't like and to get you back into that present moment of this is the plan, this pitch, this moment, this is what's most important right now. It's the hardest thing in the world to do. But if you have a plan for it, we can now use this to be a little bit more consistent. But if you get a little bit more consistent, you probably have better results, which give you more opportunities. So teaching that has been awesome. I love it. And it's been a big hit with a lot of the athletes. How, how, do you, how might that apply to, to business? Uh, somebody who's not you know, in the flow of a game where there's um, distinct changing moments like a foul tip or like a dropped ball or you know, something like that, where it's like it's more – the moments are longer, you know, there's like seasons or there's, you know, or, or weeks, you know, um, how do you, how might that failure plan apply to, a uh, somebody who just goes to their, goes to their job every day and, um, uh, things are going sideways. Uh, they still have to come home knowing that they'll return the next day and things are still sideways, that kind of thing. It's a great question, man. I think there's two things that come to mind. One self-awareness is really just popping into my mind, having self-awareness is key to anything. So if we can just be self-aware enough of when those moments are happening, we can process through them and then accepting that they are going to happen. That's something that I've really struggled with personally is like, I'm never going to have a, a dry spell or have a bad month or a bad this, or like have nobody talk to me, like, but things are going to pop up, you know, things are going to pop up where you're not performing at your highest or something happens in your job. Or if you're an owner, maybe your business goes under or this thing hits and now you can't even go open your coffee shop, which I'm craving coffee shop in person. It sucks. So and I'm like very bitter about it. But if, if you think about it, like, okay, well, what can we revert back to? Like, what is our morning routine? Morning routine is so key. So do I meditate? Do I pray? Do I get in the Bible? Do I listen to positive podcasts or uh, books or anything that's like learning kind of keeping me engaged with my mindset rather than just totally focusing on, on what's out of my control at work or what's mm-hmm. going on around me at work instead of, Hey, let me focus on what I can control. What's in my like, emotional, uh, I don't want to say management, but like control, I guess, of this is what I can do right now to help myself be better in the future and to be prepared 
for when these times do happen. So I think those are just a few things, but accepting that it will happen and not being so hard on yourself. It's so easy to be hard on yourself and say, I got to be this, this, and this. And if I don't do this, I fail, fail everybody. Yeah, and That's I, I think it, pull, it pulls you out of the, the present moment too. When you, when your mind is wandering to the things you can't control, you know? And, and so if you bring that stuff home with you, uh, then all of a sudden you're focused on things that are not present and you're missing the things that are like, you know, being with your family, being with your dog, uh, you know, leaving work at work is critically important. And I, and I imagine that you, you deal with this with your athletes too. And, um, you know, they, they, they take the bad game home with them and sometimes they take the good game home with them. They, they forget to move on with that too, which is, um, it sounds, sounds a little bizarre, but it can be equally problematic when all you do is focus on the good things and forget the the places where you need to improve. Um, but also what I'm hearing in there too, is that it's really important to know that everything ends, right? Everything is temporary. Um, so thinking about things like they are not never going to end is also uh, troubling because then it doesn't allow us to move on uh, and grow from those experiences. Are you, uh, are you seeing that at all with these kids who are, you know, have been basically put on ice for, you know, who knows how long and aren't able to get together and practice and, and that kind of thing. Oh, oh, I guess we're coming out of it now a little bit, but was that, was that tough to, to watch with these, these kids were like, ah, oh, gee, you know, geez, I missed my, missed my junior year or whatever. Yeah, it was, it was really tough, especially when it first happened because there's a lot of resentment and a lot of hate and just envy of these opportunities. And if you're a senior, especially and like now your senior year got taken from you and some most of them didn't even start in the first place like it it was tough it was tough for me to just like listen to them hear them talk and just hear like what they were going through even like little leagues in cooperstown cooperstown is like the best thing if you're 11 12 years old and that got canceled every single one of them and it's like that's the childhood dream to go to cooperstown and now you're telling me i can't go to, to cooperstown because of this so that was tough for athletes of all ages really and now the pro guys are still dealing with it, college especially too, because now you've got this opportunity. You've lost some some depth in the draft now with that being shortened. There's so many different things that go into it, but you're so right that all things are temporary. And if you just ask yourself, what is this moment teaching me? As hard as that is, you got to be self-aware, but what is this teaching me to grow? And maybe there's an area of your life that you can improve on or or find some sort of joy in even during a time like that. There's a guy named Kevin Elko um, who had a big influence on one of my mentors' uh, life, uh, Christian Conti. And Kevin, Kevin Elko is a professor, uh, psychologist. He, he works a lot with, with athletes and sports. Um, I heard him say once, uh, don't say this happened to me. Instead, say this happened for me. Mm-hmm. And that shifts your thinking into what you just alluded to, which is, what can I take from this? What is this trying to teach me? This happened for me, for a reason, not to me, like I'm a victim, because uh, there's not much you can do if you're being victimized. But if you're seeing it as an opportunity for growth, there's a lot you can do, um, including just, you know, maybe considering that, you know, it's time to move on with something else. Um, so uh, I, th- I think that's a, that's a really good perspective to take, which is what can I learn from this rather than you know, wallowing in misery and, and all that stuff. Um, what, uh, I, I was going to ask you, what do you have set up now? Now that, now that things are starting to shift a little bit, uh, states are starting to reopen. 
Um, does it look different? Are you, have you, have you yourself learned, you know, to, to pivot and maybe go on with, with some online courses? Like, like we moved all online here at Zephyr with our therapy. I don't know that that's necessarily something you can do with, um, with your business, but does, does MLU have different ways of approaching this now? Has there, has there been a silver lining to all this, or are you just kind of going to go back to business as usual in person, face to face? Yeah, it's been huge, man. The silver lining has been how, well, I guess it's been that it's taught a lot of people, including the athletes, that Zoom is not that hard to use. It really <laughs> yeah, isn't. pretty easy. Yeah. You know, so that's been huge for us because one of our programs is the Mindset Mastery online program where we all meet on Zoom once a week and we get in here for an hour and we chop up some sort of mental skill, some sort of tool, subject, oh, really? topic. And yeah, yeah, we're doing it tonight. And so I got to have you in as a, as a guest too. We like to have guests, so I got to have you in as a guest. I'd love to. Yeah, that'd be great. I didn't know you were doing that. That's cool. Yeah. So, so that's like our main thing online right now is that, and then we've got courses that are in the works. So I've got a, a course on confidence that's coming out soon. I just got to put it together. Um, it's already filmed and everything. And then just having little different ideas as we can pop in there to throw it out, but it's been good. Man. It's been a good self-reflection period. Oh, for very sure. cool. Mindset yeah. mastery. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. The double M. <laughs> yeah. Are, uh, how's the, how's the nonprofit going? I didn't ask you about that before we cut on. So if you don't want to go there, we don't have to. <laughs> oh, it's totally okay. It's so we, we paused that one. That mm -hmm. thing got paused, which actually ended up being a good thing because it's led to another idea that a couple of people reached out about that we're interested in doing. Um, mm -hmm. And that's for same type of mission in a way, just a little different. So we just started talking. We'll see what happens because of it. But I think I'm in a better position now to pursue something like that. The other one was, it was there. We liked it a lot. We had a great idea and it just never went through because both of us are too busy. So I think this one will be a good idea and we'll see what happens and what comes out of it. But we got a good team already kind of built for it. So I definitely need to talk to you about that. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and we'll, uh, we'll keep that one quiet for now, but that that's really <laughs> cool. You got, you got a lot of endeavors um, swirling. Uh, talk, talk a little bit about what is, what is keeping you motivated through this, um, this weird time period and then what what can the listening audience take from from that because uh, because you and i have different ways of you know approaching how we you know what gets us up in the morning uh as most people do coffee i know only goes so far <laughs> yeah <laughs> um I, for for me man it's i'll be honest it was tough the first couple of weeks were really easy because i was in such a good rhythm and groove and then once i moved back home to arizona and has spent some time here. It was different because I'm trying to get accustomed to a different environment. I'm home. I'm like we're all home. We're not able mm -hmm. to go to a Barnes and Noble or to a coffee shop and post up for a couple of hours and just kind of zen out. So that was tough, especially in the beginning. So I, I, I'm a product of it too. Like I was having trouble getting out of bed. I was having trouble staying motivated. I was having trouble doing what I needed to do to be successful, but it all came back to that burning desire. And I think that's where surrounding yourself with really good people is huge absolutely huge and so having really good mentors having good people on my team as well we're working together and just hearing different ideas and getting creative too of some ideas that we could use we've impacted more people through this time than we would have in any of the in-person stuff as, as crappy as it is as financially depressing as it is where you're like oh i could have been set for all year like all these things would have been awesome right but we wouldn't have been able to impact as many people as we did online in person 
So that was a big, big silver lining for at least that kept us motivated to keep doing this, keep pushing out content, keep helping people and just being a light in a world that was so hateful and so revengeful and so angry at everybody and everyone and just like giving some tools that can help. So that was, that was a big time deal. But I think for anybody listening out there, like if they're trying to find what really motivates them, like you, you really need to, to think on it and, and get alone. Like get alone for a day or get alone for an hour even if you can and just write out what it is that drives you write out what it is that gives you passion and gives you meaning maybe it's your family your kids your grandparents maybe it's your dogs or your your tv i don't know what it is but whatever like gives you that meaning think about it and if it sticks with you for more than 24 hours it's probably something that's pretty powerful it's pulling you in some direction so um, if you've lost that passion it's okay it's okay to lose the passion sometimes our flame's going to burn out but it's important to know how we can reignite that flame. And that's where if you write it out, you get it on paper, you get to see it again. You're like, oh, that is why I'm doing what I'm doing. That is why we did this or we did that or I moved and made this sacrifice for my family because I want my family to be healthy and successful. So anything like that, I think those are just some simple tools that you can do and then practice gratitude. You, you hit it on, on earlier, like focusing on what is really good in our life and what we do have rather than what we don't have and just I'm enjoying those things that are around us and the family time that we get to spend. Yeah. You touched on the the whole fire burning out thing and, and, and it being okay. I think, I think we have this, this false illusion that somehow we're supposed to be on fire all the time in all circumstances. And it's just not true. And I want to shift gears a little bit into social media and, and what we intake into our psyches, into our, into our minds, into our lives, into our living rooms, um, and being mindful of the content that we embrace. For example, and I'm, this is going to sound horrible at the outset, but I promise it'll make sense. Um, I can log into Instagram and see video after video after video of you being super impassioned and positive you know, 60 seconds at a time, 90 seconds at a time. And I go, man, Austin's really killing it. Austin's got it going on. And then I instantly go, why don't I? Right. And then I start to have some guilt about that. And maybe I get a little depressed, but the simple fact is Austin's not that all the time. Austin was that for that 60 seconds that he recorded. (laughs) And yes, you do have a really infectious energy and you're really fun to be around. It doesn't mean that you're doing that 24 hours a day, seven days a week, every day of your life. That would be impossible. That would make you not human. And so I think it's really important to be authentic and honest and transparent while explaining to people, you know what, this this isn't me all the time. This is the me that I bring to you so that I can be a blessing in your life, right? And maybe the message to communicate to people is that a, don't compare yourself to a caricaturization online, um, but also B, um, it's okay to keep trying and keep succeeding, knowing that, you know, with your failure plan, you're, you're going to fall short sometimes. You're going to have these depressive episodes. You're going to have these anxious moods sometimes, and that's okay. That's called being a human, and, and when we go through this, what do we take from it? What do we learn? Um, how, do we, how do we improve uh, a little bit more so that eventually I, I compare this to like a, a baseline. We're pushing our baseline happiness higher and the audience can't see me because we're on zoom, but I'm pushing my hand like higher in the air. If you can picture a graph where like you've got mood on one, you know, on the vertical Y axis and you've got time on the X axis um, at over time, if your mood can gradually improve uh, its baseline, 
what happens is the ups and downs of the oscillation, like the wave, um, they, they just, they also push higher, right? So the lows aren't so low, the highs continue to push a little higher and, and that's just becomes your new normal. Um, but going back to social media, I think what, what I've experienced is that there's so much, you, you alluded to this too. There's so much rage and, and resentment and bitterness and toxicity. Like everybody's like staking out their, their turf and then broadcasting what they want you to hear almost like they're trying to change minds. And that happened with COVID. It happened with black lives matter. It happens in politics. Um, and there's not a lot of harmony. There's not a lot of peace and togetherness. How are you navigating that for somebody who lives online, tries to push a positive message? Um, you know, your advertising is certainly through social media for MLU. How are you, how are you staying sane? How do you stay healthy with all that, that spinning around that, that chaos? Well, first of all, it's, it's really tough. <laughs> it's, mm-hmm. tough. it's tough for all of us as human beings. We're, we, we're attached to it. Quite frankly, mm-hmm. we're all attached to our phones. But something that's really, really, really helped me is to just not look at it. I'll scroll through, and I was telling you earlier, like just give the people that I care about like a love tap, which I just consider a like or a, a comment or something where I'm like, great job, congratulations, something positive on their feed to hopefully help them and, and give them something, like some sort of spark of energy just to, to let them know, hey, I love you. I'm a I'm care for you. I'm thinking about you. I see you. Other than that, like the other stuff, I'll either unfollow them, uh, get rid of them, however that is. And mind you, I still fall into the traps sometimes of just mindlessly scrolling through on Twitter. It's usually like a weekend too, of course. But you're like laying there, you're like, oh, I'm just going to go check it out and read. Well, then you start reading, you get more and more pissed and you get down this rabbit hole of, I hate these people, these people, these people, these people, and, and these people did this to me and this sucks and I, I can't stand my life. So just a little thing that I use it. I just try to use it for a positive platform just to help. And if the message resonates with you that day, I hope it does. If it doesn't all good, but I'm going to keep blasting them out there as much as I can. And whether it's video or a text or just a a quote of somebody else or something, an an image, even just giving out things that are are, are a light to people's lives. And uh, I think it's really easy to get jealous or to see stuff of other people where you're like, gosh, that chick has a bikini bod out the wazoo. Like, I don't have that bod or like some dudes like freaking pumping like 400 pounds and I don't care about pumping 400 pounds ever, but you're like, Oh my gosh, how are they so strong? What, what am I doing? Right. You mentioned earlier, what am I doing? And guess what? You're running your own race and you have your own path to where you're going. Not everybody has to do it the exact same way, but for me, it's just, Hey, let's just spread some love and positivity, help people. And then try and stay as much as possible out of the noise of falling into, I'm going to check every story. I'm going to do this. If you have to, put the people that you care about on your thing or just follow the people you care about or put timers for yourself. Like in the morning, I'm going to use it for 30 minutes in the evening for 30 minutes and at night for 30 minutes. That's my time to go on for this block of time. I will go on social media. It doesn't work for me. It's really hard, especially with what I'm doing, but maybe it works for you where you're like, ah, okay. After I hang out with my family for this two hour block, I got 30 minutes to just lose my mind on social media. And maybe that's just posting or doing something, but give yourself that time and then, debrief from there so there's a few things that have helped but um, I think it's, it's really really hard it's the toughest thing in the world to do you just got to know what your values are and know what you care about really like that you are intentionally producing positive and uplifting content uh, because it it sounds to me like you're other centered and I got to believe that that flies in the face of the way social media is are designed 
those media platforms are designed to make it about self, not other. Um, you even think of the, the, and it's about like immediate too, right? So like, think of the names, YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, uh, even my space, like it's, it's all like self-centered. Yeah. Yeah. Austin just did the, the, the brain exploding, uh, pantomime with his hands. Um, nugget of the day. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. So it's like, make it about me and do it quickly. And it's like, Whoa, what, uh, you know, in Twitter by design, I mean, it started out as 140 characters. Now it's all the way up to 280, but now people can just add to their tweets. So it's like getting this like long screeds you can do you know multiple pages of of narrative um but even twitter was supposed to be brief uh so i I think that's all just compressed our attention span and made more content available um and and our brains aren't designed for it positive or negative doesn't matter we just we just can't intake and process that much content and still be healthy on the other side it fries us um, but I, I really like that you've you've set your intentionality to be other centered, um, because that's a completely different paradigm shift from what the platforms are even intended to be. They're intended to advertise self to others, not focus on others and uplift them and encourage them and and edify them. So good on you because that that provides a two way buffer. One, you don't get sucked into other people's stuff, and two, you're elevating. Right. It's, it's really hard. Uh, like when we talk about uh, people who are struggling with depression, it's really hard to be depressed when you're focusing on other people. It's really easy when you're focused on yourself and you know, what do I not have and how, what did I miss out on and where am I supposed to be that I'm not. And, you know, but if you're focusing on other people and just giving your love and energy to them, uh, not to the point that it's self detrimental, right. You're not giving away all your resources and inviting 17 people, you know, to live in your home uh, with food you don't have, but you know, focusing your attention and and energy on others such that you're being a, you're being a blessing rather than, than taking, I think that's really, really cool. Or you could just do what I did, which is delete them all off your phone. Um, (laughs) I I was operating under the, under this false presumption that I was online only for news, right? Like I can't find news anywhere else. And I just, I just deleted everything uh, about a week ago, uh, Monday morning, about eight o'clock, uh, pulled off Twitter, pulled off Reddit, pulled off Instagram. Uh, I, I'm, I'm not on Facebook anyway, but uh, about three hours later, by 1130, I was, I was feeling healthy again. And so far we're, we're about nine days in and it's worked brilliantly. And I get the news that I need to see and somehow it finds its way to me. So there are multiple ways to keep yourself healthy um, and not get, get pulled into everybody else's, um, you know, toxicity. Mm, 100%. Appreciate, appreciate 100%. you saying that. As you as you were working your way through this stuff and trying to be, um, you know, trying to edify others and uplift other people, I mean, you really made that your life. Um, at what point, I guess, do you do you say, "All right, I got to take me time"? And what does that look like? That's it, that's been the hardest thing. It, it's been the hardest thing for me. And I've started to do this more now during this pandemic. That's why this has been a big blessing because it's allowed uh, not only myself, but I think a lot of other people in the world to see how important having some time for you is. So something I've always done and I kind of used to rush it, but I've tried to like really milk it now um, in the mornings, spend time on yourself. Like that first hour of the day is all my personal development. So meditation, Bible, scripture, 
um, I'd say a prayer and then cold shower, the things that help me be the best version of me for the world. And so that's that first hour. And then I go work out almost every single day. It's roughly five, six times a week on the week because I know that it's going to help me be the best version of me. And it helps me feel good. If I feel good, I'm going to be better for other people. So if I can feel better every day, I feel more productive. I feel like I'm helping myself out too. So I think you got to start with helping yourself first and really just focusing on what it is that you can do first thing in the morning to give yourself that space and know that if it's not everything in life is, is that urgent. It's not that urgent to make the thousand calls. It's not that urgent to send a thousand emails. It's not that urgent to send all these crazy Facebook ads. And while in the moment it might seem like if you just do this one thing, it's going to turn everything around. Like, no, it is not at all. I think Tony Robbins, I think was the one that said it, but it was, a lot of people think that you can do more in a year than you can in five years, but in reality, you can do more in five years than you could ever do in a year, cramming yeah. one year, you know, and it's like, it, it's so true. So something that's really helped me is a hey, not get so caught up in all these like action tools that I need to do. And like, you need to do this, you need to do that. And it might, it's a day-to-day battle, but like, you need to do that. You need to do this. Like be okay with being alone. Like be okay with, with enjoying some time for yourself. Be okay with just hanging out by the pool for 30 minutes and like getting away, like, Life isn't going to go crazy if you're not there. But yeah. I think what school and society and jobs teach us is you're here for eight to 10 hours. You're supposed to be on all day. You're supposed to be doing this, this, and this. Have all these tasks. And once you check these tasks off, you're good to go. And you can just go do what you need to do. But in reality, it's not like that. Like, I feel like I'm always on. like Not always on in a good way, but trying to be on. I'm like, I need to turn this off. Busy, like, busy on. on. Busy, yes. Busy, yeah, exactly. But rather shifting the perspective somebody else said it like being more productive think about is this productive or is this busy like, yeah. how can i be productive with my time so that's been it's been a challenge but this time has allowed uh, allowed me to just kind of focus more on what i need to do to be successful um my passions what i really care about like the, the values in my life of love and my family and spending time with them seeing my nephew and um, really trying to embrace those moments when you are with people it's really hard to do we're always checked out but if you can lock it in as much as possible, it's amazing what happens in your life. It is really hard to gear down when you're, when you're used to being in a top gear. And it, it seems that the perception is that you're being unproductive when in reality, you're, you're actually balancing quantity against quality. And I, and I think that's an important distinction to draw. And quality can look like a lot of different things. Um, I know for myself, I come home and, you know, and I got two young kids and a, and a, a smoking hot wife that, you know, all want my attention and uh, love you, babe. She's not listening, but <laughs> she might someday. Um, but they, you know, and if I come home and in my head is all the stuff that was left unfinished from work, I'm not, I'm not honoring them. Um, if there's something that needs doing, it needs to be done so that I can walk away from it. And if it doesn't need doing right then, I just need to mentally leave it behind and pick it up the next day. Um, people struggling with anxiety who can't fall asleep. They got a million things going on in their heads. I, t- I tell them just to write everything down, everything, everything that's in your head, write it down on a piece of paper, set it aside and look at that, you know, on the nightstand or whatever and see what you can do right then that might alleviate some of those racing thoughts. If the laundry absolutely critically needs to be done because you're going on a trip the next day, get up out of bed and go do the laundry at 11 o'clock at night. That's fine. But if it doesn't need to be done or like there's bank deposits that need to be met, well, the bank's not open at 11 o'clock. So just set that on the nightstand and it'll be there for you in the morning. And I think that we, we can do that with our workplace too, where we just go, 
this will all be there tomorrow. Um, I don't know how many times that like, you know, I'm going a mile a minute and, and uh, you know, I'm answering all these emails and, you know, respond to all these text messages uh, only to find out that the person on the other end takes two and a half days to get back to me. <laughs> well, it wasn't that critical to them. Why was it so critical to me? <laughs> right. And, and, and I think that it's important uh, context to, to maintain is the, the, the balance, the quality over quantity, and to know that wherever you are, be there. If you're, if you're at home, be at home. Don't be at home and be at work. Otherwise, just go stay at work until it's all done. And if the work, quote unquote, never ends, that's a fallacy because nobody's working 24 hours a day. You, you're doing that to yourself in your own head. And um, I love that five years versus one year thing. Um, give it time, you know, dial, dial down, downshift, um, and, and, and be where you are. Because if we can, if we can make it through this, and again, if we go back to that, everything is temporary thing. Um, if we can make it through this, we we'll make it through anything, and then all of a sudden, it shifts all of our perspective and go, you know, things like, well, maybe the brick and mortar college institution isn't all it's cracked up to be if everybody's shifting to online education, right? Maybe yeah. working at the office physically in person isn't necessary if we're all executing it just as well from home. Um, you know, things that things that previously we thought were you know mission critical. Uh, now, eh, I don't know. We gotta we gotta readjust our thinking. It's okay to change your mind. It's okay to change thoughts and and have different perceptions. That's huge. Yeah, you're so right. I like the fact of the working from home. <laughs> yeah, a lot of people are like you can't work from home. I'm not gonna let you work from home. Well, guess what? Still execute the same way. Maybe some some are executing better than they were before. They hey, are. Let them do it. Go for it. Enjoy that time. Speaking yeah. of silver linings, I mean, that was one of the things that I called like right at the outset. I said, this uh, this, this pandemic, this stay at home thing is going to compel our entire clinical profession to get competent at telehealth. Because previously for the last, you know, 10 or 15 years, it's been around. We, we as mental health practitioners have just tiptoed around it, been suspicious of it. Um, did, didn't really embrace it. And, and we, we sort of didn't have to, because at least in Nevada anyway, um, provider deficiency being what it is, uh, client demand being what it is, we just didn't have to. Um, we, had, we had clients coming out of our ears and we didn't, we didn't need to be nimble. Well, now we didn't have a choice. And I think that that's nothing but good because what it's, what it's going to do now is it's going to remove the excuses for being able to work in, say, the rural settings. You know, um, we've done this for three straight months now. And um, now we can presumably where all the, the clinicians live, which is mostly Reno and Las Vegas, we can reach out to the other 88,000 square miles of Nevada that, that don't have clinicians. And I'm, I'm, I could not be happier about that. Um, I think the next domino to fall is going to be uh, license portability. I think there's zero reason that we can't execute across state lines now because we've every single, all 50 states have made some sort of, um, combination, uh, accommodation to allow for others to practice across state lines because people were either stuck or they had to travel. And so that basically raises the question of like, well, were your standards really that different anyway? You know, or maybe if I have a license in Nevada, I'm allowed to practice wherever I want because we all were allowed to do it for a temporary period of time anyway, which really means that maybe you're not all that different and maybe we just need to bring help to where it's needed. So I'm really excited. I'm, I'm looking forward to this, um, these, these artificial restrictions, these orthodoxies that were in place for no other reason than just 
protectionism and fear. Uh, I'm looking forward to them just melting away. What what silver linings are you seeing coming from from this stuff? There's a, there's a lot of different ones. One, the main one is the family, spending time with family. I wouldn't have been home during this time if. Oh, that's it, awesome! Yeah. Gorgeous. So that was that's been huge, man. Getting to watch my little nephews grow up. We got two of them now, and they're so cute. They're awesome. Two little baby boys, and there's 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 such awesome kids. So that's been really cool to watch and be around. And then just the the ability that we have to use technology and to help people through technology and. It's not a scary thing. It's something I've been scared off by for a while or said it's not as effective. Well, I think it's very effective and you can get a lot out of it if you use it the right way. So that's been a big one too. And then um, in reality, just like overall personal health and, and understanding like having more self-awareness of, okay, we're all kind of sheltered in place. We're all doing this. Like who's the real leaders? And not that it's the thing to like be a competition, but how do you lead at home? How do you lead in your personal life? How do you lead in the office? How do you lead by example? How do you oh, lead? Wow. So that's been something that like popped into my mind is like, like the leadership aspect. Uh, and you can really go two ways. You can use this time and be optimistic with it and say, it's teaching me a lot of different things and tools. Get me outside more. A lot of people are getting outside. That's huge. Or you can say, why is this all happening to me? Like you mentioned earlier, like this happened to me. It's not temporary. It's going to be forever. And like life sucks. And I'm just going to keep draining myself in the same hole that I sleep in. Like it doesn't help anybody at all. So that leadership aspect has been a big silver lining too. And just helping people, man, it's been, it's been beautiful to see people outside, especially in my neighborhood. Like it's 110 degrees out sometimes. People are outside still. I love it. It's like, let's go. We're getting some exercise and walking around and embracing nature. What we have here that God gave us. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah, you're in Arizona. For people who don't know, you're like, where is he? That's 110 yeah, degrees. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, guys. No, no, don't visit. <laughs> Not this summer. No, crack an egg on the sidewalk and cook it. Yeah, exactly. How many yeah. How many people do you have worked for uh, Major League University now? We've got staff. Yeah, full time. Yeah, majority is me, and then we've got <laughs> two others that are they're kind of involved where we're starting to get going. And then one other one who's like an intern slash he's kind of waiting to see what happens with this draft deal. So hmm. he's going through some signings. So we said, Hey dude, you, you get that, do that first, whatever you have, you got, you got some opportunity here. So we have a lot of like kind of part-time on the side type of deals, but not a lot full-time. So we're starting to grow into that hopefully more of just, Hey, build out that team, sculpt it our, our, the way that we want. And, um, hopefully I have an exciting news break in a couple months if things go how I want and selfishly to go <laughs> with my buddy coming back, but we'll see. I can't say it out loud, but it's a good thing. It's a really good thing for MOU for just the community. You're so full of positivity. I love it. Um, I saw a thing that I don't know if I shared it to you, with you. Um, the Kansas City Royals uh, GM uh, had announced that the club had, or maybe it was the president, I guess, had announced that the club had decided they were going to continue to pay their minor league ball players, which is really cool because the Oakland A's did not. And, and I understand, you know, market dynamics being what they are and whatnot. But his quote that went along with it, he said, it's important to encourage this because if we want to grow the game, and I'm paraphrasing here, but if we want to grow the game of baseball, it's often the ones who never make it to the, to the major leagues who have minor league careers, they get their cup of coffee and they go because they love the game so much and they're willing to endure the, you know, basically the, the, the crappy part of, of professional baseball, uh, the bus rides and the multiple trips to, you know, podunk cities. 
they're the ones who will return to their communities and continue teaching the game to the youth and the next generations. And, and the first thing that popped in my head was you, because that is you, you love baseball so much that you brought it back to the community. And, and if not for that, like you would be one of those guys who just was like, yep, got my cup of coffee once went into the, went into the system, you know, played a little pro ball, but you know, uh, ultimately I'm, I'm back now, you know, working my marketing job or whatever. And, and you didn't. And I thought that was so profound that somebody at a high, at the, basically at the C-suite level of, of a major league organization recognized that the, that the whole entire sport is grown by those we'll never hear of, you know, that we, we just don't know their names. They're not, they're not on ESPN. Um, and yet that's, that's the, the building block. That's the foundation. Those are the keystones. You are, you and your guys are the foundation, the cornerstones of an entire sport because you continue to come back into your communities and continue to build. And I thought, I think that's just great. Like it's not, I want to bring it up here because I think people often overlook the, the foundational building blocks of organizations, of companies, of, of professions. Um, and, And I want to give you kudos publicly here, you know, in this, but I also wanted to, to make, sure that people know their value and their worth if sometimes you know they're like oh man i only work the front desk it's like no if we didn't have you we all fall apart (laughs) you know and and i think that's really really critical uh so personal thank you to you and if you hadn't seen that quote i will uh i'll dig it up and send it to you jared jared sent it to me um we have a friend in common who's a big royals fan so that's why that's why that hit the radar (laughs) let's go it's amazing it's so true too this is so true so it's good to see somebody saying things like that you know especially during a time where we don't even know what's going to happen right right all right so i want to honor and respect your time and let us get on with our day um so i want to close up a little bit tell people how they can find you on instagram facebook twitter machines uh google internets of all sorts yeah uh major so you can find major league university at major league university on facebook instagram on youtube as well on twitter it's at major university for some reason they didn't let us have the league so we got the major university so if you type major league university and apply show up hopefully and so you can find it on there and then uh, if you want to find the personal austin byler all platforms uh twitter i think is austin byler 14 but it should pop up as the austin byler and then podcast champion school which we got to get you on now so maybe next week if not next week the following um champion school is all about uh, mindset, culture, and leadership. So how do we develop the minds and leadership in the culture of our programs, of our teams? And we want to have more than just coaches. Right now it's been a lot of just coaches, but we want to have like practitioners. We want to have football people. We want to have like a CEO, so many different people involved. So uh, that's been a really cool deal and it's been a lot of fun. Yeah, awesome. All right, so uh, this is something new I'm starting to do with Naga Notes. Um, probably should have been doing it the whole time, but oh well. So... <laughs> When I wrap up uh, a supervision or, or a session or, um, you know, a, a group or whatever, I, I ask, what, what is one thing that you're taking away? What's one thing that jumps out at you that you can apply to everyday life? Um, it's, a, it's, it's a summary, basically, of, you know, what, what impacted you. So, but I don't want to ask that of you because you're the guest. What I want to ask of you is, what do you think the audience should take away? What's one thing you can leave them with? It's something that you left me with in the summer of 2019. 
19, a year or two ago, whenever it was, you came out and spoke at our Reno clinic, skills clinic. Yeah. And you've mentioned on this, on this podcast as well, you mentioned it all the time. And it's, it's the greatest reminder that all things in life are temporary. It's stuck with me forever because I get so caught up in so many little things that are not like are not anything to be worried about. But if you think about it, when all things are temporary, you can now ask yourself those really good questions to move through things. So that's something that I think is like a takeaway, especially during a time like this, where there's so many other things going on that are going to be temporary, like whether it's the presidency or the, I hate the political season either way. So it sucks. that. And then um, the, the movements, the protests, the, the, the looting, the COVID, all of this crazy stuff. Right? I know sports, there's so many things, but it's temporary. All things in life are always going to be temporary. If we can find the hidden meanings in our lives and really focus on what we're grateful for and what we care about and what we cherish, our lives are going to grow and be better. We're not going to be perfect every time. So all things are temporary. And then accept that you're not always going to feel okay. You're not always going to be on, on fire pumping people up. Like you're going to have down days. You're going to have times where you're tired. You're going to have times where you don't want to make the call or, or, or text grandma for breakfast, but do it. Like just push through it and, and, and notice that, like you mentioned, all things are temporary in life and that we can always grow and find different ways in our, our life to become better in what we do. I appreciate you saying that. I'm not going to take credit for it. I got that from my friend and mentor, Christian Conti. Um, he's, he's big on you know, the, be, all things being temporary, um, certainly with emotions. So um, appreciate you saying that. Glad that the ripple effect is in, in full effect. Um, so... Thanks, brother. I appreciate you. Um, fist bump through the screen. That's another silver lining. Air nucks and air high fives are in on Zoom. <laughs> they are. They are. Yeah. Like somebody asked me the other day, like, why do I find myself waving when I sign off on Zoom? I don't wave <laughs> when I leave a meeting. I was like, I don't know. Maybe it's maybe it's a good thing. Maybe we're all becoming a little more friendly, a little more mindful that we're departing and it's okay to, you know, say goodbye. Um, <laughs> Well, on behalf of the Noggin Notes team and the Zephyr Wellness family, we wish you all great mental wellness. Thanks, Austin Byler. Have a wonderful afternoon. Appreciate you, Jake. Thanks, man.